This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with. Specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection. Totally open to having kids in the future. Is a tall rock climbing Libra. And loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey everyone, welcome back to Lather Talk, a wet shaving podcast. I'm your host, John, aka Latherhog, and with me as always is my co-host Gerard. Hey, what's up everyone? Hey Gerard, so our guest for today is none other than Ben Esposito, the artisan behind House of Mammoth. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, John and Gerard. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. All right, Ben. So uh, folks are really into the wet shaving hobby, probably already know all about Mammoth. But in case, you know, what is your elevator pitch for someone who has never heard of House of Mammoth uh, and previously you were known as Mammoth Soaps? Give me the pitch. Um, sure. So Mammoth basically is, is a wet shaving brand. We started as a wet shaving brand. But we've always had a focus on two things. One is original perfumery. And the other thing is raising awareness and funds uh, to fight against human trafficking in the world. Um, So we really try to put out the best quality products that we can, try to put out something that's interesting that folks really haven't seen or or tried before from other brands. And at the same time, we try to do everything that we do with heart. We like to make connections with people. and, And really, you know, I really think that that's one of the reasons why the shave community is so special to everybody is we get a chance to connect with each other so as an artisan that's really what I want to do I want to reach out to people and um, I love the idea that people are using and enjoying the stuff that I make excellent and would you call yourself a wet shaving a hobbyist or enthusiast I mean absolutely I uh, I got into this hobby really because I was just looking for a new way to shave and um probably like a lot of you guys, you know, read the articles about, you know, shaving like your grandpa and shaving like a man. And and I had a friend, uh, Matt, and of course you, John, but uh, my friend Matt was really into it. And, you know, I used to go over his house and he would pull out his shave soaps, you know, this one's dark fall and it smells like smoke, you know, and he was like really into it. So, uh, you know, we were all huffing soaps in his living room. Um, And then eventually I figured, all right, let me give this a try. I bought a starter kit from Maggard's. And, um, you know, got into it, felt, felt pretty badass, you know, I'm sure like you guys can relate. And, um, that one thing led to another, I mean, I've always made bath soap. So it was just kind of a natural thing to say, what's the deal with, with, with shave soap, but what makes it different from bath soap? Obviously the performance is so different. So the formulation is also really different too. Um, and that really kind of started me off in two directions. One was really being curious about what other artisans were doing. And then also wanted to learn how to do uh, the best quality of a shave soap uh, myself. 
And of course, along the way, I mean, you guys probably know people get so excited when they hear that someone new is making soap uh, or scents or whatever it is. And so people were asking to try it and people were really encouraging in the hobby. And uh, so I spent about a year and made about 30 different versions of the shave soap and just kind of refining and refining and doing a lot of uh, mistake making and <laughs> lots of failure, <clears throat> getting rid of soap and giving a lot of stuff away too. Um, I didn't accept a dollar for any of the experimental batches because I just felt like, no, I'm, you know, I want to make sure that this thing is top tier before I really put it out for sale. Um, and I really only started thinking about doing things for sale when someone said, um, my friend Matt, uh, different Matt than the other one had said, Hey, you know, I really love Superman and I would love to, uh, ask if you could make a special set that kind of pays homage to uh, Superman. And so we came up with the idea, uh, kryptonite and he really liked lime. And so that kind of like snowballed from there. So we collaborated together on the scent. I made him a, a bunch of different scent mods. Um, and it just felt to me at the time, just like another way to get deeper into the hobby that I was really enjoying. I could never have foreseen, you know, now, what is this like two and a half, three years later mm -hmm. um, and all the changes that we've gone through as a brand and all the connections and friendships um, that I've been able to make. It's just been a really special journey. And I, I, I think the shape hobby is awesome. And I'm, so I'm always going to be a hobbyist first in my mind. For hobbyists, right? A lot of people specialize in certain things, whether it be software, brushes, razors. Would you say you gravitate to any you know, any one direction, or do you try to cover a little bit of all? You know, what, what's kind of what's your uh, your interaction, your engagement with the the hobby itself? Yeah, I mean, I, I went through phases. You know, I think originally I just didn't want to spend a lot of money. Um, but I wanted to try as much as I could. So I bought a ton of samples of mainly soap. Um, and I figured that was the best way to really try tons of scents and tons of different soap bases from different artisans. Um, I still recommend that, by the way, if you can get samples, either by trading with somebody or buying them from someone, uh, some retailer that or artisan that doesn't does samples. Um, but then I started to realize, okay, well, there's aftershaves, there's brushes, there's razors. And so the more I got into it, that's when I sort of like moved on to um, all right, now I'm going to try a couple of different razors. Oh, I'm going to figure out what I like. So I went through a, a vintage phase. I, I wasn't trying any modern razors at all. I was just trying all vintage razors, one to the next to the next. Um, then I started getting into brushes too. You know, I, I still remember my first um, artisan brush was from Loborn, who uh, Logan Tudor is not in the hobby anymore, but just a great dude. And um, I remember really wanting uh, a brush from that darn Rob, but they were mm -hmm. so pricey. You know, I think there was a meetup happening uh, locally and uh, the meetup brush was like $80 or something like that over at Pester's. And I remember thinking, man, I can't, I can't spend that. That's just, I couldn't justify that to myself, let alone anybody else. So, um, you know, I, I, I didn't buy that. <laughs> and I was kind of like kicking myself when I got to the meetup and I saw them and I was like, wow, nobody's looking at them. And these things are really awesome. We start to realize that there is art that goes into that. There's creativity, there's thought. Um, and then there's a bit of experimentation and a bit of uh, kind of go with the flow and, you know, unpredictability that goes into to the brush making also. So I kind of like that aspect of it, too. You know, the resins, especially like capture 
moments in time that are frozen, you know, because they, they pour the resins together and they come up with really cool patterns, but then they slowly harden and solidify or some of them, you know, under pressure. So they've captured, you know, those colors and that motion mm-hmm. in, in the brush. But then I've also really loved, I've always really loved organic materials. So wooden brushes are, are like still my jam. I really, really love, you know, the look of natural wooden brushes and grain and stuff like that. So um, I don't know if it come through, but like, that's, that's my, my tattoo. I went through some major stuff in my life at one point. Um, and I got that tattoo just kind of symbolizing like the progression of life and how the different rings in a tree show you basically each version of the tree is contained in the heart of the tree and a tree starts here and then it grows, you know, from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So in a, in a very real sense, the tree is like every version of itself that it's been every year is still there inside. Um, So that's why I got that. And so for me, you know, the connection to nature and um, organic materials and everything, that kind of like physical aspect of it was really, really cool. So I really like um, wooden brushes once I got over the hump of buying my first artisan brush, I think that kind of like opened the floodgates and that was it, you know, like, all right, now I got to try everything, you know, thank God for the shade bazaar and, and for, you know, BSTs and stuff, because I was buying like whatever I could find and reselling and buying more. And I'm still doing that, you know, now it is. So I don't know. I've really gone through phases. Um, right now I'm kind of in a phase of trying a lot of fragrances and trying to see what else is out there. Hmm. Um, and when I buy stuff from other shave artisans, I'm generally buying aftershaves because I just want the experience of the scent. Like I generally know what the soap base is going to be, but I'm really just looking for like new scents and seeing what other people are doing. So you're, you're describing, uh, kind of like the origin of mammoth, right. And to kind of, I guess, kind of fill in some of the blanks, uh, and to bring us up to speed to where we are today, um, a little bit of the history of Mammoth, and correct me if I'm wrong, either, you know, Ben or, or Gerard, but um, you, you and I, I believe you and your wife basically are, are the ones making the soap at home in that first year or so, right? It, Elaine helped as well? <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Elaine and I, my wife, my wife is Elaine, um, when, <laughs> when we were dating, you know, that was, we just sort of are both very curious people. You know, my, my wife is from the other side of the world. You know, she grew up in Malaysia. Um, and we just have, like, kind of wide-eyed curiosity about the world. And so it's kind of this idea of, like, how does that work? And, oh, someone else is doing that. Oh, I want to try. You know, it's kind of like a childlike uh, approach to, to life. And um, so we went to my friend's uh, place in Oregon. They live in Eugene, Oregon. And uh, we were staying with them. And just really special people. The the um, the uh, one guy is a uh, musician, and his wife is a photographer. And we just got, had had a chance to spend you know just a couple of days with them. And we're staying in their house, and they have like a, a soap in their bathroom. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this soap? It's incredible. It's like really, really great. And they said, well, we made that soap. They showed me they had like a book where they were learning how to make that soap. So of course me and Elaine were like, we have to try this, you know? (laughs) So when we got home from that trip, you know, I went and I ordered a kit from like Brambleberry or some DIY kind of thing. And I didn't do the melt and pour, you know, you can like 
buy pre-made soap and you can just like melt it slowly and then add fragrance to it and then put it into a mold and you can create blocks or whatever shapes you want. That's fun, I guess. But we were like, no, we really want to do the real thing. We want to like do the soap reaction where we use the lye and the fats and we want to see it turn from oils and fats and turn into soap. Um, is dangerous and exciting and everything. So we started making bar soap in my apartment, you know? And and around the, along the way, just kind of messing with scents too, because, you know, sure, you know, unscented soap is fine, but why not, right? So we've got a couple of essential oils and that was that was the way we knew how to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so when we ended up getting married, we, we had a very DIY wedding, you know, for the same reasons, I guess. We, we love to do this stuff ourselves. Like we got to make a lot of soap, you know, for our wedding guests. So we made a soap for everybody and handed out bar soaps to everybody and kind of created a custom scent that we both loved and we had been using in, in the bar soap. And it had like lavender and orange and kind of this milky creaminess to it. And it was really, really nice. Um, so, so that was kind of the start of, of making the soap. When I got into the shave hobby, uh, my wife doesn't shave. Uh, that's probably too much information for the podcast, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the shaving thing was mine. Um, but she's really been like such a great support behind it. And she really is a collaborator in every sense of the word. Um, so I, I'm the one that sort of learned and formulated the, the shaving soap, but, uh, she was the one that, you know, kind of discussed all of the ideas and I told her what I was doing and, um, she worked with me and helped me think with things like labels and she, she's a great, she's a designer. So she was able to help me with, um, the design ideas. I had an illustrator that created the logo, but then every other thing after we got that logo from the illustrator, um, you know, commissioned was, uh, was all me, uh, and, and Elaine and she's got the technical skills and I'm like the creative director change that. Oh, can you do this? What if we tried it this way? And so she's like, and she can like make it all happen. Um, so we're really good, good team. And then when we started getting into making sense and, and discussing ideas for different sense, um, that's always a collaborative effort between me and her where, you know, I would say, well, I'm thinking about calling it this. What do you think? Um, does it ring? And it's so important, you know, if you're creating anything to have somebody that you can bounce back and forth with, because something might sound great in your mind, but does it translate? Can you communicate that to somebody else? When you tell somebody about it, do they get it? Do they understand? Um, so that's one thing. And then for sense, I mean, she's just got a great nose. So it really helped me too. You know, I'd be formulating something, um, you know, coming up with different versions and, and, you know, smell this, smell that. What do you think? Oh, this one smells a little bit too much that this one smells. And then I would take that feedback and I would go back and it was so, so helpful for me in terms of training my nose and in practicing and figuring out, you know, am I communicating the thing that I want to communicate? Um, so I'd say it's, it's a team effort in that sense. In a lot of ways, it's really mine, but it wouldn't be anything without, without her. So basically, uh, once I got to a point where I'm like, okay, somebody came to me and, and commissioned a soap, and that was Matt with the kryptonite soap. And I said, wow, you know, people, people want to buy this. This is really cool, you know, but I also have a full-time job. You know, I run a nonprofit summer camp uh, for kids, and it's a year-round full-time job. You know, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss over there. I got to do that. So um, I didn't think that there was any way that I could really do anything more than sort of like one-offs and that kind of thing, stuff for fun. I was really heavily involved in a lot of like the Facebook groups. Um, I was lurking in Reddit wet shaving. <laughs> I was afraid, you know, I was lurking and I was afraid. Um, 
for a number of years in, in as British. one should be <laughs> yes <laughs> you should be even more afraid if you're an artisan uh but yeah no the uh, our our backslash wet shaving is a great uh community because um there's so many people there and it truly belongs to the users you know so i went there and, and got a lot of laughs and you know everything from lather games to reviews to you know just really getting a chance to hear what people were were making and what people were saying what people were using um and then facebook groups like the shave market and um old kahaba and a whole bunch of groups like that just really really great people you know and so whenever i would come out with a new uh base as, as i was formulating you know i would see if anybody wanted it you know and so i was shipping shipping stuff out to people and hey try it let me know if you have any feedback and kind of like organically developing a, a tester pool through that you know i didn't know any of these people <laughs> it's just like give me your address i'm gonna send you something you know okay fine this, this, this one's going to ohio this one's going to you know vermont just, just soap everywhere um and just footing the bill but it was fun you know so i didn't really look at it as like you know, a business venture or that I had to like meet certain um, goals or, or be profitable or whatever. It was just something that I was enjoying doing. Mm-hmm. And it was a way for me to interact with people too. Um, so once I f- felt like, oh, people might actually pay for this, I thought, well, is there a way that I can do this? And I thought about, you know, some of the retailers and what I had heard was that they expect you to keep things fully stocked all the time. And I was like, I just don't have time, you know, like, I don't know if people are even going to buy it, but what if they buy it? You know, like that was like a nightmare. People might actually buy it and then I'm going to be stuck in production. You know, I like doing things to solve problems, but I don't like doing things to be like a worker bee. This is my free time. This is something I enjoy. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be doing this as a second job. Um, But then, you know, one of my friends, Chad Irish from from, uh, Talbot Soaps, um, I was watching what he was doing and it was pretty cool he was doing it through etsy and i was thinking i wonder if i can do something like that just doing small batches whenever he could similar to me you know he's a dad uh the family and a, and a job and he was able to make it work and he actually more importantly was also using it as a vehicle to raise awareness and funds for something that he really cared about you know uh which is you know land land preservation um and the natural spaces and things. And that's something that I always loved too. So, you know, we had that in common. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was really cool to see, you know, that he kind of paved the way in a lot of ways, I think for the, the small batch hobbyist um, soap maker to be able to come out with stuff and, and have kind of a legitimate way to do it without having to be a full-timer. Um, so I saw that as something that might be a possibility. And I was kind of weighing, you know, what does it look like? What are the financials? And then somehow, I'm not really sure, somebody recommended me to um, uh, Jared and, and to the guys over at, at WCS. And I remember I was scared, <laughs> pantsless, let's say. <laughs> um, but I talked to him, you know, I'm like, who are these people? Like, are they going to try to steal my stuff? You know, are they going to pay? Like, what's going on? Like, I was like, so, you know, don't want to do it. But thankfully, they were great, you know, and they, WCS was was awesome. I remember I sent my first soap out to them. Um, it was Huga. And I remember Abe and Kevin from WCS called me or tried to, like, FaceTime me. I'm like, drive, I'm driving. Like, I'm like, who's, who's calling me, like, on this video message? And I pull over into a parking lot because it's randomly Abe. And, um, dude, 
we just got the soap and we have to FaceTime you. We have to video chat with you. Okay, sure. So I pull in the parking lot and they're both like on the screen, like, it smells amazing, you know, and they're like so excited, you know, and that was the moment where I was like, all right, this is cool, you know, Mm -hmm. because I put a lot of time and effort into creating that product. You know, I think a lot of people think, sure, I could be a soap maker. That's easy, you know, just get, you know, a soap recipe and just make it and dump in some pre-blend fragrance and put a label on there. I mean, you guys could probably do the same thing. You could probably just like come out with any random, uh, you know, uh, soap company name with like a, a style of different scents, and you could just like really easily spool it off in like less than a, less than a few minutes, you know. Um, and there's a lot of brands out there that do that, but I felt like I put all this time and effort in and developing original scents too, because you know, sort of when I joined the hobby, a lot of people were getting like a lot of flack for doing dupes. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to fly above that and just kind of avoid. So I'm just going to make my own sense because I enjoy, you know, cooking and all that other stuff. And so I was really informed by that. Um, so Huga was the first time that I was putting something out. The tub, I mean, the artwork. You don't think about it. Like every aspect of this has to be planned, has to be purchased. You have to put all this money into deciding you know what the final presentation is going to be then all the stuff arrives and you're making it you know and like there's timing and there's measuring and you've got focus and attention and everything's got to come together properly and you finally come out with this finished product you know and you're trying to make sure that there's no bubbles in the label and everything's packaged well and i'll make sure that when this person receives it that it, it really makes them feel good that they've got something that's quality um, and, and communicating that to them in a lot of different ways other than just using words like I am right now. Um, so to see that it just like hit home with them, you know, and I don't know if they were just buttering me up or whatever, but like they seemed genuinely excited. And I was like, okay, we might have something here. And I felt really good about being um, with them. So for that first year or so, that was really what I did every month or so um i put out a scent tried to make as much as i could which is basically like one pot one big batch of soaps i would have to carve out like five or six hours to just like measure clean everything you know get everything ready get all the soap, you know whatever and 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 make the soap and um then i put in these big boxes and ship it off to wcs and i was just like oh my goodness this is crazy along the way doing fundraisers and people were really confused about what i was doing like some people got it right away they were like, we, we get it. We're all about this small batch, you know, original sense, raising funds and awareness to fight human trafficking. <clears throat> we get it. You know, it's easy, right? There are other people that are like, okay, but what are you really about? You know, <laughs> where's the devil behind all of this? You know, like this couldn't actually be happening, right? So just dealing with like all the random like drama, and the most unexpected drama, I would say, was about the stuff selling out. Like, I had no expectation that it was going to sell out. <clears throat> I had no idea how big the community was. No idea that anybody would want to spend any kind of money. I felt like and I really agonized over setting the price because at the time, you know, my, my soap was priced on the higher end of the market. And I agonized over it. And I remember thinking like, people are going to be mad. But like I had to charge what 
what I felt like it was, it, it made sense for me to be able to, to continue. Um, and, and it was the, the response was the opposite. We want more. And, and I had a, I had a big problem. Like people were messaging me at all hours of the day and night, you know, like I'm at work, I'm trying to spend time with my wife, trying to take care of my child. Um, I had a newborn just like you, Gerard, you know, so all right, fine. 2 a.m. I can respond to people because I'm up anyway, you know? So I'm like chatting with people all hours of the day and night, you know? People are trying to like wrangle deals with me. Like, don't worry, I won't tell anybody. Just send it to me. Can you just like set aside one? You've got extra. I know you've got more. Just put one aside for me. I'll pay you extra. Hey, look, we go back, you and me, right? I mean, and everybody had that feeling of like, you know, uh, I mean, I make good connections with people. So I guess, you know, they, everyone thought that, you know, they could just take advantage or whatever. Um, and it started to become really hard. Like I mentioned before, I consider myself a hobbyist first. So it was like, how do you turn down your fellow shavers when I know what that feeling is like? I know what it's like to like want that soap and to like not be able to get it. Um, so I think that's why it really hit me so hard when I saw all the scalpers out on the market, you know, and people like have given me flack for that. But I I don't give a shit. Like, I am always going to call out scalpers because you're an asshole. Like, we're all in this community together loving the stuff that we love, man. Right? And you're the bully who just, like, grabbed somebody's lunch away from them when they could have been eating it. And you grabbed it away from them and you said, I'm going to sell you back your lunch. Give me your money or you don't get it. You know? And that's basically the attitude that these people had. So being the person that came from, like, this love of the hobby... And then the heart behind what I was trying to do and wanting it to be in the hands of people that really loved it. I mean, I never set out to make a collectible. So it just felt like such a slap in the face to me and everybody that enjoys the stuff that I, that I do. So I think that it's since that point, it was kind of in the back of my mind of like, if there's ever an opportunity for me to make this stuff more widely available, I want to take it because it means that much to me. Um, I, I had a, a sense that like it was going to be impossible because unless I lost my job, I wasn't able to, I wasn't going to be able to produce it, but I had that in the back of my mind and maybe there's some way that I could, I could do this. Um, but that's what I did. You know, we did basically a cent a, mo- a month for like at a record pace and it was grueling and it was crazy. And I probably shouldn't have done so many. I'm, I'm, I'm back doing it again this year, <laughs> putting out so much stuff back to back to back to back and and again you know people are still like where is it you know i want it right away but uh it is what it is i get it so that was the first year and a half or of or so of mammoth uh everything was sold through wcs it sold out immediately every time i released a new scent people were clamoring for it there was always drama i made um i got in the habit after selling out and the complaints started to come in that I would just go and like, as kind of like a post drop ritual, <laughs> I would go and make bath soap, but I made salt bars. There's like a salt that came up with a salt bar recipe. So you can actually make soap, bar soap, bath soap with salt in it. And I was using pink Mediterranean sea salt. It was such a nice soap, but it was also kind of a way for me to just kind of like symbolically, like pour the salt into the soap. You guys don't get what salt is as a metaphor. Like it's when people are mad at you and they don't feel good and they're taking it out on you. So I pour all the salt into the soap 
and like let it cool and harden. And now I had a, a really nice bath soap. Um, so along the way, just trying to like not not take myself too seriously and just be like, I'm in this for for good reasons. And the truth of of what the product is and who I am doesn't matter to some of these people. And I have to just let it go and let them be salty if they're going to be salty. Um, because that's that's a them problem. It's not a me problem. Best I can do is just be true, um, communicate clearly, and that's it. Um, so that was basically what I did. Once all the pandemic hit, you know, it was like everything was just off the table, as you guys know. Um, what's going to happen with my job? And you know, what's the right? We, we take care of kids in, a, in a, a recreational setting, so hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids come to my program. And they're supervised by high school and college students, mainly. A lot of teachers and a lot of parents and stuff too, but mainly supervised by high school and college students. So the idea of being very early on in a pandemic and, hey, we can take care of all these kids with like sort of young, inexperienced um, caretakers, it, it was just like really tough. <laughs> so I didn't put anything out for like most of 2020. Um, came to like, this summer ish or so, and we decided that we weren't going to run the program. And suddenly I had a little bit more time on my hands. So I put out stones and I put out restore just, you know, from my site, just to see like, well, what is it like if I, I'd never actually sold a drop from my site. Um, and also the Santal uh, Noir uh, collab with um, Dan from Australian Private Reserve. So I'd never done a drop from my site, did the drop, uh, small drop with, with Private Reserve, and then a dual sent drop with uh, restoring stones and was like okay this isn't going to happen either like i am not <laughs> <laughs> i'm not doing this man <laughs> like it's enough to like come up with everything create it produce it all this other stuff but then i've also got to like field orders and i've got to put them in boxes and i've got to pack it and ship it and then i've got to feel like all the complaints about like why is my package not here yet something cap broken shipping and i've got to replace i mean just like it just never ends, right? So like I doubled my whole workload. Like this isn't gonna work either. Um, but along the way, you know, you guys know that we developed this partnership with Vita from Chicago Grooming Company, formerly, well, Olio still exists, but you know, the shape side is now Chicago Grooming Company. Right. And Vita is somebody that I met early on and, and just had a lot of respect for um, as an artisan. And then of course I got a chance to meet her. Uh, WCS had a had a dinner in the city um, one February. Got a chance to meet her. Um, I had already met and, and talked with a whole bunch of other folks from from the hobby, you know, other artisans and so on. So it was cool. So so I was like, Vita, look look, I know that you can make everything on the planet when it comes to like skincare and soap, right? She's a genius. She's amazing. Vita, there is no alcohol right now. Right, because everyone is splashing it on themselves. People splashing alcohol on their cereal boxes that they get from the grocery store. <clears throat> There's no alcohol to be had because we're in a pandemic and everyone's trying to like stay clean and not die. So, can you develop some kind of like post-shave product with my fragrance, but like you know, using your good oleo? And at first, I was thinking maybe it can just be like a skin oil or whatever, and that would be fine. But then I was like, can you do like an aftershave bomb? Can you do like, you don't have that right now. She had a few different bombs and lotions, but something that's like a runny thing, that's more of like a, 
like only for aftershave. Okay, sure, yeah, let me see what I can do. And so that kind of led to that um, collaboration for Stones and Restore that she made a bomb product. And I thought, you know, this would be a great um, way to have a, a set because everybody really likes having sets. And I worked hard on those fragrances and I really wanted to put it out in EDP. And it would be super weird to just like have a soap and an EDP. Like, let's have, let's have something, you know? So she came out with that and she sent, sent over a few uh, versions. Um, we talked about it. She pretty much nailed it from the beginning. Mm. Um, and from there, like all we were talking about was just like, okay, well, what's the scent strength and, you know, how much fragrance do you need? You know, and art, I'll, you know, artwork, I'll send you labels. So that went so well. And the bomb was so well received that I started like thinking in the back of my head, you know, I hate making soap. <laughs> I don't like fulfillment either. Right. So maybe I'm going to go back to WCS when all this is over um, and let them do all the headachey stuff. But maybe Vita could make my soap as well. You know, I, w- I w- had spent most of the beginning of 2020 reformulating and um, trying to fix some of the, the uh, and improve some of the things in my original shave soap base. Um, namely, I was trying to find a shave soap that not only was slicker, had better um, density, post shave, all that good stuff that everybody wants. But I also wanted it to be as transparent as possible when it came to scent. Um, I didn't want to have any base funk um, that would interfere with the scent. It's one of like my pet peeves. And then I also wanted it to stay fluid or liquid at a low temperature. So I hadn't put out anything um, in in 2020 at all. I was working on my new soap base. Um, And one of my goals with the soap base was that I wanted it to stay fluid at a lower temperature. And the reason why that's really important is because, you know, Mammoth is is a company where we're really trying to honor and celebrate fragrances and all the fragrances that we put into the soap uh, and, and, uh, and whatever are all originals. So it's really important that that stays as true as possible in uh, shave soap. But unfortunately, shave soap is hot process, which means that it's cooked at a high temperature. So um, there was a point at which, you know, depending on your formula, uh, as the soap cools after it's cooked, as the soap cools, you've got to mix your fragrance in and it's still going to be hot. Um, fragrance doesn't do really well with heat. You know, if you guys know, if you want to store your, your fragrances, you don't want to put them near your stove or out in the sun or anything like that. Right. So it's the same thing, you know, when you're making fragrance and adding it to hot processed shave soap. So it's really desirable, you know, at least for me, one of my goals was to be able to shave soap that stayed fluid at a low temperature, um, as, as low as possible. You know, I know a lot of shavers don't want a soft soap but you can do things with the composition of your formula uh, to just keep your, for- your shave soap fluid at a lower temperature. And that means that you can go lower and lower and lower. You can then be adding your fragrance at a cooler temperature and thus preserving more of the original fragrance materials. They're not going to burn off. Um, in some ways, it's kind of like chasing something that you're never really going to catch anyway, because soap is not a transparent medium for fragrance. You're really not going to get a good impression of a scent just by using the shave soap um but i i just can't help myself like just continuous improvement like i just if it's something that i can fix then i want to do it um so that was one of the goals with tusk once i kind of solved the problems that i wanted to solve like once i created the tusk base 
I really had no interest in continuing to like manufacture and like mass produce, but people were giving me so much great feedback um, and saying, you know, we want more of it. Um, and, and I had had such a great experience with Vita uh, and working together on the, the bomb. And so I said to her, look, Vita, this is kind of like a little bit out of left field, but what do you think about trying my safe soap base, um, trying to make it? And, uh, you know, without getting into too many of the technical details, everybody makes their soap a little bit differently. And, uh, you know, everyone's very protective of their secrets and the way that they do things is, is really important. Especially, Trade secrets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, all, you put a lot of hard work into it, you know, yeah. and not to go on a tangent, but like soap makers sometimes reach out to me and they ask in fragrance makers, how do you do this? And what, what do you, where did you get this from? And what are you... And, and it's always such a hard thing because, like, you want to be a nice person, but also, like, I work my ass off to figure out how to learn how to do this. Like, there was a lot of failure involved and a lot of investment and a lot of time. So I can't just, like, tell you what I do. Um, that's part of the magic. That's why people buy what I make because, you know, I, I got to that point. I put that work in. Um, so it, it was a big you know, vote of confidence and trust in Vita, you know, and just knowing what kind of person she is, that it was fine, you know, for me to give her my formula and walk her through my process. Um, and we went through a, a process of, you know, documentation, you know, I wrote down not just quantities and formulas, but I even took down a video and sent her just so that she could see, you know, everything that I was doing and filter that through her knowledge and experience, you know, Vita, a lot of people probably already know, but Vita's is far more experienced of a soap maker than I am. So I had no doubts about her abilities um, to be able to reproduce the, the, the soap base. I was actually almost a little embarrassed. Like, what if I'm doing unnecessary steps, you know, or what if I'm doing stuff where I'm like wasting materials, expensive stuff and just putting it into something that's not really doing anything. Um, but anyway, thankfully, um, Vita was able to nail it. You know, we went back uh she sent me some testers and I was like, this is amazing. This is Tusk, you know, and that was like a really, you know, big moment. Um, so from there, it was really just a matter of talking about, well, okay, well, what would this look like? You know, I really didn't want Vita to be sort of like a ghost in the background, um, you know, and sort of pretend that I'm making everything because I just don't like to lie. You know, and I don't want to pretend that like I'm making it when I'm not making it. Mm -hmm. Like I know I came up with all this stuff. She's making it, you know, like that's not a problem for me. Some people it's a problem. You know, some people feel like, you know, I've got to keep up this image of like, I'm doing everything. Well, look, I mean, a lot of the shave artisans have minions working for them anyway. So they're not doing everything, um, but it's still handmade. You know, it's still made carefully. It's still a formula that they've developed to send in a product that they've created. Um, plus, I mean, Vita is amazing. People know and love her. That's like a, a huge honor that she'd be willing to work together with me to bring Mammoth to a wider audience. So that was, that was what I told her. You know, she said, no, I'm going to be a ghost. I'm going to work in the background. Uh, just white label for you. And I said, no, like, I want everyone to know that you're making it. Right. And so we, we went forward with that. So she's, uh, she's Mammoth's production partner is the way that I like to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, I come up with all of the, the scents, you know, me and Elaine come up with all the scents, the fragrances, the concepts, the artwork, the labels, you know, sort of the business end of, of all of the Mammoth brand and connections and 
um, marketing and all that other stuff. Um, and I send fragrance out to Vita and then she puts it in soap and, and, and bomb and, and basically fulfills for me. She, she sends the orders out to people. So, um, that's why you're going to see, like I'm in New York and she's in Chicago. So we're like a multi-city operation at this point, <laughs> right? Pretty cool. But still You've gone batch. national. We've gone national. Exactly. So, you know, and then WCS, you know, on the West coast, right? <laughs> And uh, and who else is over there? The handlebar supply is over on the west coast, also. So we're, handlebar we're supply, yep. handlebar supply. Um, so it's actually been great, you know. So far, so we our test run uh, was the first Mood Indigo drop, which went through the House of Mammoth uh, website, and um, it went really well. People loved it. Um, people were stoked to be able to get, you know, Mood Indigo is probably one of the the most well received sense that we've done um people loved it and they loved the tusk base and they loved the mammoth magic bomb and um so we said all right we can do this let's get let's get some stuff out to retailers you know we had a few hitches with supply chain but slowly stuff is starting to pop up <laughs> on various retail websites and it's very cool to be able to tell people um you know hey you can find it at all these different retailers um Unfortunately, we're still selling out of stuff, which is just like, it's really mind boggling to me. Um, like you go to my website right now and like we're sold out of stuff. Like it's just, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, I think almond leather, that's all we have left. There's like two, you know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Right. But more is coming. More is coming. Well, we've got some new scents coming out and stuff like that too. So eventually, you know. I say it's worth making note though, that the period of release to selling out though has greatly greatly extended from you know i I think you saw selling out within a minute or two at one point with the really small um small uh that testing period but then like like how long did the the most recent release of like almond leather and the restock like it was there for a week there for a couple of days yeah at least maybe maybe (laughs) as much as a week Yeah. yeah i mean we're talking we're making hundreds of sets so um we're really, really working hard for like a long period of time. And like this stuff takes time to make, you know, like you think about like how much it just takes a lot of time. Like this is not a mass produced product. These are artisan made, handmade, hand applied labels. I mean, this stuff is like, it's done with care by hand. So <clears throat> the fact that we were able to do that, you know, with the partnership with Vita, I mean, that's something that would not have been able to happen otherwise. Um, and her standard of quality and her expertise is, you know, surpasses mine. So I'm really excited, you know, that we're able to do it um, because you're right. You know, even after everything was available for however long a week or whatever it is, there were still people, you know, a few days later, like, what? I missed out again. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, not again. You know, like it was there, man. Like you could have bought it, you know. And then as people's shipments started to arrive and then they're, you know, putting it in their shave of the day and then talking about how great it is. Then people are going to the website and wanting to buy it. It's not there. Like we're not Amazon, you know, it's just not going to be that way. It will never be that way, but you don't want it to be that way, you know, for, for better or worse. Like the fact that this stuff is made by hand means that it's higher quality. And I think that, you know, we all have to remember like when we started to use this artisan soaps and artisan products, we were blown away. You know, and I think sometimes you can get really jaded, 
you know, and we talk about like, we joke, oh, you know, we've lost the thrill. You know, people get into the hobby, they're really excited to buy everything. And then after a year or two, they're like, uh, I'm just using Seville, you know, <laughs> right? Um, no offense, Will, if you're, I don't think Will's listening to this. But, uh, <laughs> Seville's great. No offense to you guys, man, I'm, I'm just going to offend everybody. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and it's because, you know, you sort of like lost the, the celebration and right. the joy and the curiosity of it. Um, the same thing, you know, for me, same thing happened with music. Like when I was younger and I couldn't really afford uh, to buy, you know, CDs and cassettes or whatever, cassettes and then CDs. Um, I joined Columbia House. I don't know if you guys remember, like, Columbia oh, yeah. House. Yes. You could get like 12 CDs for a dollar or mm-hmm. one cent or whatever it was. I like celebrated each of those. I opened them carefully. I read the lyrics. I read the liner notes. I sat and I listened on the bus, at home. I mean, I celebrated those albums, you know? Um, I won't tell you what they were. It was really embarrassing. But um, <laughs> Oh, now I really want to know. Then, you know, as, as you sort of got into Spice like girls. the iPod. Yeah. <laughs> I, mem- I remember being in college, <clears throat> college and like <clears throat> Napster was happening and all these other, you know, affiliated ones. And, uh, you know, even just the college like network, you know, you could like drag and drop from other people and, you know, in your dorm or whatever. And like, yeah, just like, thousands of songs and it just wasn't special anymore you know like the whole joy of it was gone um and i think that's partly what happens with people just like flame out because you're just acquiring and acquiring and really not taking any time to like really sit with a particular product and think like this was made by somebody with thought and care and attention you know and i can't just use it once and be like meh and throw it away you know, like I really got to like give it respect and honor in some way. And then if it's not for me, then fine. Maybe I'm going to try to chase something else. Um, it's kind of like it really does mirror addiction in some ways, you know, where you, you know, you just need more and more to get that same rush and that same hit. But the best way to kind of like counter that is just to sit back and really accept the thing that you have and really kind of sit with it. Um, I, I really have loved, you know, doing crazy things like lather games where you're shaving with something different every day and it's insane. But then like the burnout after that actually has been good too, because then I would just shave with one thing for like a whole month and mm-hmm. just keep that in my cabinet and just use that and just really enjoy it. And sometimes it's random. You know, I think I shave a whole month. I shave with Oleo Bonaire, you know, I don't do dupes, but I don't mind using a dupe, you know, but it's like, it's like a blue soap, you know? Virgin Island water. Virgin Island water, that's right. Oh, Thanks, okay. Gerard. And it was great for summer, and I used it every day, and it was no nonsense, and I knew exactly what I was getting. I took it to Mexico on my honeymoon, so that... I love it, that. It, it was specifically Bonaire, so... I love yeah, that. It, it's great. Nice. Um, you know, and I, I do the same thing. Like, when, when I'm traveling, um, I, I use certain soaps. Like, I use Oleo Shiloh. I use uh, Rougere. Uh, there's a few that I just bring with me and I went to Hawaii once with my wife and I brought Mickey Lee Soapworks Luau. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously it's a little on the nose, you know, but um, you know, and and we were talking about scents the other day, I was talking with somebody They said, you know, I'm I'm smelling, you know, one of, one of your soaps. And, you know, I feel like, you know, the more that I smell it, the less I smell, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this is actually like a thing that your brain will actually do is that, some sense will really stick in your head. And a lot of times it's because there's something that in your personal experience, it, it causes a reaction in your brain. Your brain gets really excited when it smells that smell. 
you know, scent is really, really powerful in terms of like calling up memories, right? So there might be some uh, shave soaps or fragrances or whatever it might be that have notes in there that remind you of certain powerful experiences or important people, places that you've been. Those memories make that scent kind of jump out at you. The reason why is because your brain is always filtering all this input. We have five senses, but like, and, and the sense of place and whatever it is, is always taking in all this informa- information. Um, your brain has to, in some way, filter out what's important and what's not important, right? So one of the ways that it does that is it filters out for new information or for things that make it, give it positive uh, feedback, or it also filters out to find, you know, what are the negative associations because it wants to protect itself too. So when it comes to scents and fragrances, your brain is going to do the same thing. So if you don't have anything that's like personally attached to a shave soap, you know, unless you're smelling like fougere gothique and your, your body and your mind brain just goes, Oh, disgusting. You know, some people have that reaction to like a really strongly scented soap. Mm-hmm. Um, most shave soaps are not going to be threatening. You know, you're going to open it up and you're like, Oh, that's nice. Most of them. Right. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we got some listener questions for you, Ben, and these are coming in from Instagram. Uh, the first one comes from Shave King, and he asked, any plans in selling in the UK? Uh, yeah, actually, I've already uh, made contact with Finn over at Slick Boys in the UK, and we're going to be sending some some soaps out to him, hopefully by the end of the month. Wow, that, that's some great news for Shave King. Awesome. All right, I'm glad. <laughs> Starting off good with the with the listener questions. All right, so now that's out of the way. Next question comes from the virtual groom room, and that is Jack from our last episode. He asks, "What inspires your creation of scents?" Um, anything and everything. Uh, I really try to make each scent personal in some ways, and that's why if you read the descriptions, you know sometimes um, you know, I, I get a little flowery with the description, but it's really genuinely what I'm thinking about when I'm trying to come up with a scent. Because otherwise, you know, there's a million different options. You got to find some way to narrow it down. So for me, I really uh, am not a person that came from a fragrance background. Um, I wasn't trained in perfumery and I certainly never really wore fragrances on a regular basis. Um, in fact, it was more the opposite. You know, I sort of looked at people that were wearing fragrances and projecting everywhere. It was just like, get away from me, dude. Like, what are you trying to cover up? Just take a shower and like, you'll be fine. You know? Um, and most of the, most people were wearing the same fragrances, especially in high school. And it was just like, got really repetitive and headachey, you know, I just didn't really like it. So for me, when I started making fragrances, it really had more to do with, um, you know, what did I 
in particular have to say. And uh, I wanted things to be a connection. You know, I really felt like not only can Mammoth make the world a better place by raising awareness and, and funds um, to fight human trafficking, but maybe each cent can kind of give the, the user something to connect with. You know, so that's why each cent has kind of a story behind it and, and kind of like a, uh, a set of values or something to think about. And that I'm hoping will actually help make the user's life better. That makes us all better people. You know, it's not just something that we enjoy, but, you know, we can actually associate something with that scent. And, and maybe it just helps you think a little bit deeper and, and makes your daily routine a little bit better. So the scents kind of come from that uh, point. Like I, I really, um, I lean heavily on my experience in cooking food, <laughs> right? So like my approach to, I love food and I have a really broad palate. You know, I love food from all over the world, foods and drinks and everything. Um, and when I, when I cook, what I do is I always try to like taste things along the way and smell and taste and think, okay, well, what's working well together and what would that be like and experimenting. And then sometimes you have to have this mental moment of thinking like what's missing or what's dominating and then finding ways to balance those things. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you kind of get bored. And so like, I'll be at the supermarket and I'll just be like, what's that? All right, I'm going to bring that home and then figure out some way to use it. And so kind of challenging myself, um, my creativity in that way so that's one of the things that i've used in my approach to creating sense also is just being like rather than being the person who like bought the perfumery kit and then read a bunch of books and then you know tried to like recreate classic formulas and whatever like i know i'm not in a classical vein um and i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to like become a perfumer in that way um so instead they're like okay well what what would convey this this kind of picture this emotion this story what would kind of associate in that way and then kind of pick out some materials. So I spent a lot of time like looking through like different suppliers websites and reading descriptions of stuff. Um, I've looked at, you know, different formulas, you know, demo formulas and stuff like that too, to figure out like well, what, what makes things smell one way or another um, certain fragrance materials, you know, I've sort of had a lot of failures where you, <laughs> you think you're going to do one thing, and so you put it in there, but you didn't realize that this is something that can really only be used at like a micro dose level. Whereas there's other materials that can be like, you know, a third of your formula and you'll barely smell it, you know? Um, I mean, I, I, I opened up a little sample. It was like a little two millimeter sample, a milliliter sample of um, cocoa aldehyde. Didn't realize that there is a warning on that. I opened it, smelled it, and I almost passed out just because it was that powerful. Wow. You know? But meanwhile, if you use just a tiny little bit of that, you get this incredible, beautiful chocolate scent. Um, but it takes so little. It's just that powerful. Hmm. Um, so, so for me, it's kind of learning how to balance those things. So when I'm, when I'm thinking up a scent, it's figuring out, okay, well, this is kind of what I have in my mind. And then how am I going to get there? And basically just throwing a lot of stuff out there brainstorming and then a lot of the magic happens in like the editing so doing like failing over and over again smelling thinking what's missing is anything screaming too much is something do I want something to scream a little bit or do I want something to kind of retreat to the background and support so um Hugo is a good example for instance so it has evergreens in there but I sort of designed it as a barbershop I thought well I'm in a shave hobby I really love to do a barbershop but everybody does a barbershop and like tons of people use the same pre-blend fragrance oil even. So like literally the same, it's like the same scent. Um, 
So I don't really feel like I have anything to say in the genre of barbershop. So let me like put my own spin on it. And it was the winter. So I just kind of like went with evergreens because I love evergreen. Um, and then I thought, well, how do we funkify it a little bit? You know, so I brought in lots of musks, you know, I think I used like five different musks. And the castorium was like, all right, this is nasty, but like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put a little bit in there, just enough to make it like warm and kind of like earthy and like anchor it to the ground a little bit. And then the citrus, like add that citrus while well, like, you know, citrus fruits grow really well in the winter. Mm. And then that's a really nice kind of sharp, like the terpenes or whatever the word is, just like feeds really, really well from like the citrus, the bergamot and the, and the orange into the evergreen. And so it gives the impression that the citrus lasts even longer. And without you even realizing it, you're into the evergreen. You know, it's not like citrus is gone and you're like, where did it go? Where's the fragrance? So it, it continues and develops and unfolds into the next aspect of the fragrance, right? And then the oak moss is in there because that sort of takes over from the evergreens. You know, it's a green scent. It kind of like, it blends really well and balances. So there's like this idea that it's developing along the way. Um, so that's kind of like my approach is I try to figure out like, what's my overall concept here? And then how do I get there? And I'll be honest, like every scent is different. You know, some of them I feel like uh, went really, really well. Some of them like Embrace, you know, which is coming up soon. I went through 30 different versions, you know, and still I'm not even sure if it's done, but like it's at a point where I think that it's done. People are telling me that they love it, but they've been telling me that they love it since version 13 and I'm on version 30. So at some point I almost have to like, you know, put my hands under my legs and just put it out, you know, just like, forget it. I'm not going to tinker with it anymore. Right. Um, so anyway, long story short, that's really what it's about. Everything kind of like needs to exist in its own space. And I sort of think of the fragrances and creativity as being like in a different world than me. Like I'm almost, uh, um, you almost have to like take off your thinking brain and like, break your brain a little bit and go into this other mode where like anything is possible and you're not going to judge or criticize along the way because you're kind of like feeling your way in the dark to get to that point you hope that you're going to get there so there's going to be a lot of dead ends and a lot of failures and that's okay you know if anything you know you just have to become comfortable with that you know taking risks and knowing that a lot of the stuff that you make is going to be bad it's going to go in the garbage and eventually you'll make something half decent and then you keep on editing and keep on tweaking and then maybe you'll make something that's good and then who knows maybe you'll make something great so that's kind of the process George you want to take the next uh, next question or two um sure so this next one is from uh our friend Cody at Noble Otter what is your favorite animal and why is it the otter <laughs> otters are actually really cute i mean i'm a little jealous that he gets to use the otter you know um what's my favorite animal i'd probably have to say dogs i just love i mean it's it's such a cliche but like i just love dogs you know and i, I had a dog for a long time and i miss him uh whenever i think about it i miss him and and it's just one of those things where like it just sort of became a part of, they become a part of your life in a different way, you know? And, and uh, so I would, I would have to say dogs. I love cats too. I know that like, there's this thing out there where like you have to be either a dog person or a cat person. I don't, I, I don't discriminate, 
right? If you're not going to bite me, which a lot of cats will like, you know, if you're not going to attack me and hurt me. I'm cool with you. You know, like, I don't even mind like observing you from a distance. That's fine too. You know? <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, I would definitely say dogs. And all right, this one is, um, we have two questions from infernal, uh, internal, um, First one's a pretty straightforward one. Any plans to bring back Kryptonite this year? Um, yeah, I hope I hope to be able to do that in the summer. You know, I think it's a great, bright, and fresh scent. Um, I'm kind of not sure if I would do the green again, but people seem to love it. Like it became like a defining feature of that soap. Um, but I also think for a lot of people, they were like, "What is this?" But like. <laughs> For those that don't know, uh, it's really the only soap that you had really colored, and it yeah. was like high. It was highlighter green. I went for it. Pretty yeah, much. and <laughs> and maybe so we'll tone down the green a little bit. I don't know. It's kryptonite. It's got to be that bright neon really? green. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the right. It's the right green for the name. I mean, the only other way I could see if you didn't want to go with it is if you went with a green jar, like a like a neon green jar, but. Right. Are you going yeah, to find a neon green cult jar? No, that's not going to happen. That's <laughs> not going to do that. Cult doesn't make them. But uh, <laughs> the other thing, you know, and I, it's funny because all the bath soaps, there actually is a kind of glow in the dark powder that you can add to soap. Oh. I have not tried it in hot process oh. soap, but I bought some of it. Um, and I, then I, I your face will glow really, in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's part of the thing is like, to be honest, like I really highly respect that people are putting this on their face, you know? And like, uh, so the green thing, that was really one of the biggest things with me and also people's brushes, you know, oh. people spend a lot of money on their brushes and they have this assumption or fear, which is legit. I get it. That like, it's going to turn their brush green. It won't, it lathers pure white and you're fine. Like not a problem, but I can't come out and say that as an official statement because what if somebody comes out and says, well, you ruined my brush and you owe me money. I don't really know. So that's part of it is I don't want to just kind of be frivolous with, um, with people's skin and mm. with people's uh, brushes. Both, There's both no good, risk. Good reason. The color is skin good safe reason. and the color will not stain anything. You have much more risk, okay, of somebody overdosing fragrance in a soap. That will burn your face. Essential oils will burn your face. And... If you're worried about your brushes, well, vanillin will actually turn your, your brushes a, a, from white-tipped to amber and brownish tip. So um, there are things that can do that. Kryptonite mm -hmm. will not do that to you. And speaking of brushes, um, people remember this you know, back in the past. Any upcoming brush collaborations in the works? Ah, uh, yes. Actually, I've got one that's been in the works since November. And the state of the pandemic being what it is, you know, I put the order in in November. <clears throat> this one's an international collaboration. And I'm just going to leave it at that. It's going to be really exciting. It's the one for Tobacconist and uh, the brushes finally made it here. And um, so whenever Tobacconist comes out, we're going to have some, some brushes for sale and we'll do a raffle and everything. Just like the old school when we, when we did Mammoth uh, raffles. And, um, you know, we'll confuse some people and they'll get mad and they'll think that I'm pocketing all the raffle money as usual and whatever. They're assholes and they can go sit in the corner. Uh, but we're going to raise some money and it's going to be great. I'm, I'm editing myself. So 
you know, it was a family podcast. Which is actually more funny because every time you do the raffle, you literally show the amount. Yeah. You know, you do screenshots of the (laughs) amount that you've donated. And I'm like, I don't know. And everyone can also see the the raffle page, you know, all the money, you know, whatever. (laughs) So, but they gave me the same shit even when I did it through Rally Up, which is like an external site (laughs) where I'm not collecting the money. And the CFO from the nonprofit has to actually like start the raffle. Like I can't actually do, I have no control. Hmm. The nonprofit is the one that actually has to like approve uh, of me running the raffle. So um, people still give me shit about it. So it is what it is. You know, you're not really going to, can't win everybody. And it's not really, that's not the goal here. (laughs) The goal is to raise money. (laughs) So, so we're going to do that. And then I also have a brush collaboration uh, coming up with an old favorite brush maker. Uh, and that will be for Embrace. And you guys will see uh, hmm. what that's going to be too. Well, that's actually uh, brings us, it segues right into the last uh, user submitted question. That's from Bearded Chromedom. When are the next set releases? And you've, you've mentioned both Embrace and Tobacconist. So I think this is a good chance just to talk about what's coming up from you. Yeah, I mean, those are the two that are coming out uh, most immediately. You know, I assume this episode is going to come out, you know, fairly soon. So they probably won't be out yet at the time of this episode. Um, like I said before, you know, we're trying to make these things in larger quantity. So mm-hmm. it takes longer to make this stuff in larger quantity. Um, so could we put it out tomorrow? Yeah, but we'd only have a few and people would be mad. So we're making a lot. Um, Embrace is going to be just on my site and at WCS. It will be available at WCS. It'll be permanent and they will be restocking it. Um, and if they run out and don't want any more, well, I'll have it at my site. Uh, so so that'll be great. And then Tobacconist is, is just going to drop sort of like Mood Indigo did. It, it'll drop on my site first in, in a large quantity. Um, and then in the next quarter, we'll offer it to retailers that if they want to add it to their order for that quarter. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, ben, as we're winding things down, I'd love to ask this question to you. And that is, could you share with us one prediction you have for this year in wet shaving? Um, I really think that the direction that we're going right now is in celebrating perfumery. Um, that's why you're seeing a lot of like perfume uh, collaborations happening. And I think what's happening is that people are just getting, shavers are getting tired of um, the same, you know, dupe fragrances. And they're realizing, you know, that, you know, you really want to get something that's interesting. Um, you got to go with someone that's making something original, you know, and I don't just say that because that's what I'm doing. I've been doing that since the beginning. Um, but I really do say that as being a trend. Um, tons of artisans are, are reaching out to um, uh, perfumers even outside so if they can't, if they're not doing the perfumery themselves, they're reaching out to other perfumers and doing it. Um, we're also seeing, you know, it's not just like Creed that's coming out with their shape soaps and ADP and whatever, but, uh, you know, imaginary authors did that collaboration just a few weeks ago, uh, came or a week ago that hit, um, 
collaboration with with Cody from Novelato. So and and they've hinted that they're going to put out more of their scents in soap. I think that would be great to see. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that it's a great time to be a wet shaver, and it's always a great time to be a wet shaver, but True. even more so, right? Um, the truth is the pandemic has really hit a lot of people hard, you know, and so it's really sink or swim, you know, for a lot of people right now, you know, mammoth is scaling up at possibly the worst time that, you know, that we could be doing it. <coughs> but the truth is, you know, I feel like people, people are looking for something that they can, uh, help them feel good and, and inspire them in a little way. So, you know, we're really glad that we're able to do it. Um, so yeah, I think I think if I had to choose one thing, that would be my prediction. It's already happening, but I think it's going to happen even more this year in the future, the next year. Original perfumery. Awesome. Well, I, I think that's a very solid prediction. And uh, just as we're closing things out, I want to thank you so much time uh, for coming on Lather Talk today, Ben, for really giving us like the, you know, the history of Mammoth. Uh, where you guys are now and uh, what's coming ahead i'm i'm personally very excited and i just want to wish you you know uh with all the challenges that covid's bringing and just other just real life you know throws our way i i just want to wish you and house of mammoth um, all the best and and of successes uh, this coming year thank you so much i appreciate both of you guys um not just for being you know personal friends but for doing stuff like this you know and really for for inviting me on you know it really feels like an honor um, I just talked for an hour about me and what I'm doing. And, you know, that feels a little weird for me, but you guys are, are so, so supportive and so interested and excited about it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Lather Talk. You can find all the links for House of Mammoth in the show notes. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and hope to catch you next episode.